Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast, coming at you live from But Here We Go Studios. That means we're recording live, but you're not listening to this live. It's very hot out today. In fact, I would say I did not enjoy it. You just went straight into a weather forecast. It was hot enough that it was not fun. I think we just need to talk about the elephant in the room. You mean the the big black ball that's been sitting here and nobody's used for about the exercise four ball that i've been trying to get you to throw out for a month yes no the fact that you and i are both recovering from the coronavirus oh oh yeah i was just gonna say i said i feel like i sound super snotty so i had to say something because um, i don't usually sound like this i think it i think it's a mental thing I don't think you sound any different. What? I've talked Maybe to not. multiple people on the phone and they've all told me that I, they, like word for word, today you sound terrible is today? what people have been telling me. Today? Uh, yesterday. I sound snotty though. I feel snotty. You feel snotty? I feel a little bit snotty. You've been acting a little snotty. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's Sassafras. a joke. It's a joke. But yeah, we're, I guess funny. we are uh, on the tail end of our 10 day quarantine. Yep. Which is funny because I think Monday is like the 10th day for you and me. But then, I don't know, Jake got, Jake didn't test positive until well, it's halfway because through we hours. Didn't, we didn't test him until I know, we'll what, just Thursday or Friday. Him. Yeah. But we're, we're in high spirits. We're doing well. Yeah, everybody's fine. Right. Jake's grumpy. A little bit more grumpy than I usual. I wouldn't necessarily say he's grumpy. He's just like hypersensitive. Yeah. I've noticed. Yeah. But that's real. Other than that and being snotty, those are his only symptoms. And let's be real. He's three. So he's literally always yeah. snotty. And we just had a dance party less than an we hour ago. He was having party. a blast. Yeah. Same. That's not something that a super somebody sick who child. is. Yeah. Somebody who is actively fighting a virus. Usually they don't have a dance party. Right. I wanted to use our case as like a huge ad for the COVID vaccine. But truthfully, because Jake has not been vaccinated, no, I feel hasn't. like it's just a really chill strain. Yeah, I think so. Because I was sh- when I te- when I first tested positive, I was shocked. I was I was just doing it as a precaution. I did not think I had COVID. Yeah, I assumed that I had allergies, and which is why I assumed that you gave it all. And to we us. were we were fully packed, ready to go on a trip and become a super spreader event. Right? <laughs> Could you imagine we if were, we actually did that? We were going to be. Another outbreak. Well, apparently there's another surge happening right about now. Yeah, I guess. Just in time for the 4th of July. I looked at the numbers. They don't look like a surge. Maybe it's a surge, but at least for Dallas, the numbers are maybe... Like 400 a day? Yeah, something something less than 1,000. Whereas the peak over the past two years was at like seven or 8,000. Do you rem- a day? A day. Dang. Do you remember when COVID first started back in 2020? Yeah. Like we were like, we were like, there's five people in Dallas County. Oh my gosh. And now we're like, oh, 450 people today. That's totally fine. Yeah. No big deal. And truthfully, we did not, we're not in that count because we never went and actually had like CVS or whatever do our tests. We've just been using our plethora of government provided home tests. Should we call somebody and let them know we got COVID? Can we, is there a hotline that we just like COVID call? hotline? We just there might be. call them. Maybe there is. Do we want to get our three added in? I mean, we can for science. Yeah, for science. I also looked at the world numbers. Over 500 million people have gotten it. Wow. 
yeah. 500 million? 500 million people. How many people are on the earth? Something like 8 billion. I don't know. Oh, I so think it's 8 billion. Percentage-wise, that doesn't seem like that many. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like that much. Maybe we, we may be pushing 10% of the population in the near future, but even then, it and it's definitely not 10% yet. I think the number of people on earth are between seven and 8 billion. So we're not quite to 10% of the world getting COVID. But then again, we are three more are you that sure? are not in that count. That seems, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, you can look it up. I just Googled it. Those COVID, are the- total COVID cases, global? Sure. Total global COVID cases. This is what's funny to me. Oh, yeah. 543 million cases and 6.33 million deaths. You know what? Say what you want about the country of India, but they have only had half a million deaths and 43.4 million cases, and they are a highly populated country. Yeah, they're something like 2 billion people. Because America has had 86 million cases. They've had half of that. So what is India doing that we're not doing? Because they have terrible health care. I thought, unless I have... uh, I I don't know. We're starting to get into discussion of statistics and politics and reporting. And there's just so much We don't want to go in there. I have two things that I wanted to talk about. Is there anything you want to talk about? Before we get off the COVID, I just think it is fascinating that when you look at America, we are well above that 10% number. In fact, we, I don't know how many people are in America. At one point, I thought it was 280. For some reason right now, I think it's 330 million. So we are getting, we're kind of getting up there to 25% of the population getting COVID. Right. And of course, there's going to be people like us who got it, but are not in that number which I still just think is is fascinating to think about how we have so many people who have gotten COVID. America, we're number one in everything. Sorry, I'm looking at the graph. The graph. The graph. And the spike, like the surge in January this year was like, that I guess was that's the worst. Omicron. That was by far the worst. Like, yeah. six, like three times what December 2020 was, which was Delta. Yep crazy yeah it's pretty wild to think about crazy but by then even with that i think i was at a conference that march that was not canceled and they didn't change things around or anything so by january of 2021 oh wait no 2021 not this past january this is what's interesting to me because i was talking to my mom um who she'll listen to this and she can can confirm if I get the story right. Um, Cause obviously the three of us are having really mild, um, super mild case. Um, never had none, none of us ever had a fever, even Jake, who's not vaccinated. That surprised me. None of us had breathing problems. Remember that time when with Jake as a baby, you and I were both like vomiting. We were, 
we felt like we were dead. Yeah, we essentially. were dead. Yeah. We weren't going to yeah. die. That was worse than this. That was way worse right. than this round of COVID. Right. But my mom has a friend who is currently ill with COVID. So I'm assuming she has the same strain and she's like on death's door. She's not doing, and she's vaccinated. She's doing really poorly. So I don't know. Uh, it's not, I think that's what's so interesting about COVID and why everyone's, still so serious about it is it it is acting in way it's unpredictable is the word i'm looking for and it's interesting how because like the common cold i feel like the common cold affects everybody the same way like it's the common cold more or less yeah right but with covid like with one person it's like the allergies and the next person it's death like that's really yeah kind of crazy when you think about it the one thing that i felt like was different than my typical allergies which didn't start happening until, honestly, two or three days ago, I started to have a weird smell sensation. And with certain sauces, I have this weird feeling or smell. Still? Still. Even today, while while we were eating lunch, there's like something in it. It makes me think of ammonia. And it's not like the ants. So like I wear it for so long and then after I take it off and I can actually smell things, now all of a sudden I'm getting this this ammonia smell oh, in my nose. Oh, you smell that ammonia when you take the mask off? Specifically, I when I took the mask off, I would somewhat get that for the first, I think it was Wednesday and Thursday. Now and yesterday and Thursday and Wednesday... There's certain sauces that I will eat that I will also get that, which it's only when I'm eating, but it is only in my nose. So it's not a taste. I don't get this weird taste. I only get that reaction in my nose while I'm eating certain sauces. That's weird. I have no idea what that is. It's so weird. It is. And that must be COVID related because it has to be. It sounds very strange. It's so strange. Weird. But I checked doesn't happen with ranch but then the things that are like ketchup based or it must be like a vinegar base or something that's are you smelling the vinegar maybe i've got like super vinegar smell powers now what is superpower is vinegar vinegar man is vinegar is there a heavy amount of vinegar in ketchup i don't know i don't eat ketchup yeah, so that's the thing. Like ketchup for sure is one of those that that gets me. We have Chick Fil A sauce in the fridge, and I was eating some Chick Fil A sauce will get me. But Chick Fil A sauce, I think, is almost it's a play on ketchup. So it, I don't know what it is. It's I don't weird, know, man. I'll pour, pour one out for you. Yeah, because you know me, I like my Chick Fil A sauce, <laughs> and it may be ruined forever for me. <laughs> You look really sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to make light of a trying to make light of a potentially serious situation. Okay, for some. well, moving on from a potentially serious situation. Moving on. Welcome back to Who Asked for This. I don't like it. Oh, is that? It's not just <laughs> Joe. No. No. Uh, who asked for this? Are you ready? And you may have seen. I don't. This may have been the group. Amazon's Alexa could soon mimic voices of dead relatives. Who who asked for this? 
Who, I don't want, I don't see how this could ever be a good idea. Again, what is with people's obsession with talking to, to fake versions of dead relatives? Because I can, I can understand the desire to want to speak to a, a loved relative who has passed, but you know it's not real. Unless it is the uploaded consciousness of that relative, in which case it is fully real. Like upload on Amazon. Like upload on Amazon. That is funny that this today. is Amazon's. I wonder if, anyway. Amazon's Alexa might soon replicate the voice of family members, even if they're dead. The capability unveiled at Amazon's Remars conference in Las Vegas. What, do, what is Remars? Remars is going on right now. What is this? I don't know. What you acted like you were like a fan. No, I've just been seeing it on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Is in development and would allow the virtual assistant to mimic the voice of a specific person based on a less than a minute of provided recording. The desire behind the feature was to build greater trust in the interactions user have with Alexa by putting quote, more human attributes of empathy and effect. These attributes have become even more important during the ongoing pandemic when so many of us have lost ones that we love. While AI can't eliminate the pain of a loss, it can definitely make their memories last. I just, I, I'm not into it. I've got two very important questions okay, here. Okay, shoot. The first one, are you going to be able to change Alexis's name to Grandma? Like the name of the past yeah, relative? Yeah, like, hey, Grandma. Can you order me some more tampons? See, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's what came to mind. Because when I think of who I want to pick up that order, <laughs> grandma is the top of the list. That's hilarious. Um, one, to your point, I don't, right. It's a, because Alexa, when I think of Alexa. Like she, I want it to be Alexa that like, I'm talking to. Like Alexa. Play hip hop music, right? So you're going to be like, Grandma, play like my nighttime jams. I don't know. Then, like, that's weird. And then the other question is there anybody out there who really just sits there and talks to Alexa? Right. That's what I'm saying. If I'm talking to Alexa, uh, Alexica, <laughs> if I'm talking to Alexa, I am giving her commands or I am asking her what the weather is. Right. So like, unless they're going to have a new feature where you could just like chat with your dead relative. Or you do like parlor tricks like, hey, Alexa, start meowing like a cat. Are you going to do that? Hey, grandma, can you act like a dog? <laughs> yeah, I don't see why this is helpful. I will say we're, we are both biased. We do not have an Alexa in the home. Nor do we want one. And I'm also biased. I love Amazon. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to give any, any further personal opinion on, on this. The only thing that I want to say is that being able to fully mimic a person's voice and whatever, uh, whatever, being able to make them be the conversation medium from just one minute of audio that is really impressive well here's the thing i i think it is extremely impressive this is my concerns for this technology my concerns with this what is this and i i can't think of the the term but there is we have the ability to change the face on like to make fake video like deep fakes deep fakes thank you 
deep fakes are real and they're like scary realistic looking to where you think you're watching like Tom Cruise do something and it is not Tom Cruise it is a computer has overlaid Tom Cruise faces over somebody else's body and those have caused enough confusion I feel like and I and, and we're just like the tip of the icebergs with deep fakes like I truly feel like I mean this this is maybe a dumb analogy but um, in, like, the most recent Spider-Man, like, No Way Home, uh, that's essentially what uh, Mysterio does to frame Peter Parker, right? Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if politicians will eventually start using this as part of their smear campaigns for their competitors. Deep and, fakes? Oh, 100%. I, I mean, they won't come out and say that they did it, They, but I'm sure they'll, like leak it that crap like uh, that happens all the time i i'm pretty sure there's plenty of of laws against that oh well duh that doesn't mean that people don't do it but anyway if 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 alexa can copy your voice and people are already hacking into alexa's anyway have you not seen those videos where like people can no. oh my gosh no they're hacking into alexa's and they're able to talk to you through your Alexa. And so I, I'm just saying they better beef at their security. Because if they're able to get into, if someone can hack into an Alexa and can hack into the recordings and has the technology, they can then mimic your voice. And I don't, I, I just feel like that's, again, Pandora's box. I, we didn't need this. It's, I don't get, I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable about it. Is this the only like thing that I get conspiracy theory on? Probably. I just don't trust technology to some degree. So there's a few, uh, a few points that are neither here nor there. If there is a recording of your voice out there in the world, and there is this technology to take in a voice and be able to mimic it as another voice, you don't necessarily need to hack in, and that is. Those people who are who are nefarious and who are Nefar- I thought it was nefarious. Yeah, I say nefarious. I can I can say what I want. It's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who already have these these malintents, then all of the information is probably already out there for them to do that. I think that is that is one side of it where I would actually feel more comfortable maybe knowing that it's at least with a a specific company that should have pretty good security because i i would wonder with alexis and being able to hack in is that something that is associated with the specific internet and specific um specific security code to get into that specific router and the items on or the the devices hooked up to that router or is that a amazon problem i just love the fact that you referred to her as alexis that made it sound very like formal like alexa is like your like second great cousin but alexis is like that woman knows what she's doing this is <laughs> this is the problem i don't actually know these names we don't and have people an alexa. but uh, <clears throat> i'm sure it's fine i just feel like it's unnecessary it is it's and this is this is how bad i am i think even having all the random accents for 
for that other lady is unnecessary. Why don't we just have somebody talking in the normal accent, like wherever you're from? Well, I mean, I changed mine to Australia anyway. So. I know, but why? That's that's just my what goes on in my mind. I'm like, why don't you just, you know, speak without an accent? In the words of Eleanor from The Good Place, you basic. <laughs> <laughs> Was okay. that a strange... Uh, that was... that was. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It came from my COVID-infected brain. Okay, moving on. And this truthfully could also be included in the category of who's asking for this, but it was so on the nose with prior conversations that you and I have had, and it was sent to us, and you saw it already, but I just felt like it needed to be talked about on the podcast. But apparently there's this company called Colossal Laboratories and Biosciences... And they are, um, let me see if I can find the blurb. Like their whole thing is de-extinction. And it says, combining the science of genetics with the business of discovery, we endeavor to jumpstart nature's ancestral heartbeat, to see the woolly mammoth thunder upon tundra once again, to advance the economies of biology and healing through genetics, to make humanity more human, and to reawaken the lost wilds of Earth so we and our planet <coughs> so we and our planet can breathe easier. They're literally trying to bring back the woolly mammoth, and I get this is like straight Jurassic Park vibes. I don't see how this is beneficial. I think the funniest part about that is that they are making this a climate change solution. Right. The woolly mammoth is going to change us or is going to save us from climate change. Specifically the woolly mammoth. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. Have you have you heard of this before? Can you interview them on your podcast? No, no. Why not? Could I interview them on my podcast? Yes. But you don't want to. Am I going to interview them on my podcast? Absolutely not. Would you like lose street cred? Is this like really a stupid idea or is it, I mean, it's innovative. So here's, here's a few of the things. Let's first discuss the idea of woolly mammoths stopping climate change. By bringing more animals onto the earth, you are essentially creating more need for resources and and whatever they are doing, they are not exactly taking carbon out of the system. So yeah, if you end up making, I don't know, a million woolly mammoths that's a lot of woolly mammoths. That would be the equivalent of roughly a million elephants. Elephants are big. Yeah, it would take up some extra carbon. But even at a million, and each of them weighs probably two or three or four tons, now you're talking about... What are they going to eat? You're talking about five million tons of carbon total. The amount of carbon that we are putting into the atmosphere on a yearly basis is in the gigatons. So this barely even starts to touch that. And that's every year. So by them being on Earth, they're not storing up all this carbon that would actually, quote unquote, reverse climate change. 
So there's that aspect. The idea that they would somehow, that their processes would stop or reverse climate change, that doesn't make sense because all you're doing is you're adding more animals to the total carbon cycle. So yeah, they could eat some plants. They could maybe make the ecosystem work better. But by doing that, they are not going to reverse climate change. So what do you? What are they proposing? What like they? What are they saying is going to happen? Because these look like smart people. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they're they're kind of smart. The what they're proposing is they're proposing to bring back the woolly mammoth. And let me. So I've I've been sitting here bashing it. Now, to say where they might be coming from and why they think bringing woolly mammoths back could stop climate change. Oh, they have 10 core goals specifically for climate change that, that they think that the woolly mammoth will accomplish. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear number one, decelerate melting of the Arctic permafrost Two, to prevent the emission of greenhouse gases trapped within the permafrost layer up to 600 million tons of net carbon annually. Three, to revert now over-shrubbed forests back into natural Arctic grasslands, with he- which help with carbon emissions. Four, restore the mammoth step. Don't know what that is. Five, to foster an ecosystem that can maintain its own defenses against climate change. Six, to understand the dominant traits among cold-resistant genomes. Seven, to save modern elephants from extinction. Eight, to establish a proven link between genetic sciences and climate change. Nine, to equip nature with a resilience against humanity's adverse effects on vital ecosystems. And 10, to drive advancements in multiplex CRISPR editing. Joe's trying to keep it together over there. So here's this. He's I don't speechless. even know. I don't even know where to start. Speechless. But you know that that one lady that. Dr. Went Sattler from the first Jurassic Park? No, 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 no. This is a lady who recently went to jail for creating an entire Ponzi scheme associated with genetics. Yes. Uh, but she was like just doing genetic testing, like health tests. She, yeah, she had some yeah, fancy. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She said that you could, from your, from your spit swab, whatever, she could basically reverse engineer your life and and fix you or something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Right. I don't know what she was talking she about. Lied. But she she excessively overpromised, was under delivering, and then decided to start making things up so that it wasn't under delivering. Instead, it was just lying. <laughs> and. <laughs> And these guys are promising the world. They're promising Jurassic Park. They are promising like that, no, like things that won't kill you. They're not promising Jurassic Park. They are promising the woolly mammoths are the answer. The woolly mammoths are Christ reincarnate. <laughs> That's what they they have promised the second coming for non Christians is what they have promised. That's what it sounds like in there. But the problem and and they might be onto something to say if you have the right animals, you could make an ecosystem more sustainable. Where that may be falling in true and, and how that could be the case, there is like one study 
associated with sub-Saharan Africa that showed that by having strong, heavy grazing on land, it produced a, a more resilient soil, which was more resilient to erosion and ultimately had deeper roots of the grasslands. Right, but that takes a long time, right? Like this it would take like multiple generations of these woolly mammoths. No, it wouldn't. It would take, if I remember the study correctly, which I don't. So this is purely a guess. But I want to say it was three to five years, at most 10 years, because this is somebody who, who did this study. So it's not like his whole career. He spent a reasonable time frame for an academic study, so probably five years at most, showing the difference between between a an ungrazed area and a heavily grazed area. And the heavily grazed area forces the plants to become more resilient. Um, you're right. That makes sense. And so, but that being said, that is only the area that you can heavily graze. You have to do that for the entire tundra. I mean, you're talking about all of Canada, all of Russia, all of Alaska. Uh, that's funny that you that's think Russia will let us come in here with our genetically with our woolly modified mammoths. woolly mammoths. They'll think it's they'll think they're spies. Right. This is my f- question. Um, one, in order to have these woolly mammoths, we would have to have them born. Which means we're going to be forcing these elephants. We're going to be forcing them to give birth. To give birth. But then, in theory, wouldn't we be stripping those baby woolly mammoths away from these mommy elephants? Because the mommy elephants are not capable of living in that cold of weather, i.e. the tundra. So then you're stripping these woolly mammoths away from their moms and just throwing them in the tundra to just like figure out how to survive in the tundra? At a mass scale, these are these are very good points that you're making because it that is one of those things that is a big question mark, especially when it comes to the whole idea of de-extinction for an animal that needs to then live in an environment that essentially has not had that animal living in it for right. They the won't past know because like obviously years. some of that is like just part of their biology but like a lot of that's learned behavior from the parent animals yeah it in some regards learned in others instinctual but and also this is not a real mammoth yeah and those instincts and that that's the point that those instincts are part of the woolly mammoth genome and those are things that you probably don't have in a in a Eurasian elephant right. that would have been part of the North American woolly mammoth. Right. That would have been part of that separation and that you would have to find in the genome that you are rebuilding, that you're then going to splice into a Eurasian elephant. And the most important part is that if you don't have those key points, the the things that make a woolly mammoth able to live in a cold climate. Right, and not just a hairy elephant. Yeah. That is going to be something that that can't be overcome through just adding in some elephant genes. Right, and then also let's keep in mind that these baby elephants won't have parents. 
but I think that would be. And then also, would we ever get to the point where we would have overpopulation of woolly mammoths? No. And then we would have to go have commercial hunters go and kill woolly mammoths to keep the no. population under control because we don't have saber tooth tigers anymore. So who is their predator? Bears? I, I, I would. A bear's not going to go get a woolly mammoth. I would mammoth. imagine a polar bear could. A polar, polar ba- bear? Polar bears would just eat the babies. They're going to be that far north? Yeah, they're they're living so in the tundra. So we're throwing these sweet and baby and, woolly mammoths into the freaking Arctic tundra. And I tundra. know you're you're just you're you're trying to be you're trying to make it seem like No, a, this is literally what's in my mind. I'm not smart enough to go any more than not, this. It's not we wouldn't just be throwing babies into <laughs> like, into winter, into perpetual <laughs> winter. No, it would be it would be a process. You would have to have this breeding program and the goal would be that you would be breeding more and more for robust traits that can survive so this would have to be this taking is, place in like fairbanks alaska well, or something this, right but then also you have to have elephants that are chilling in fairbanks alaska yeah but you would the way that you would do it and the way that i understand all of these highly modified animals, if you will, because that's essentially what they are. They're genetically modified animals. And what you're doing is you would essentially have them in a test tube. You would be growing them and eventually... artificial wombs? You would eventually probably artificially inseminate, but the babies would be had. You would then have these woolly mammoth babies trying to make babies and you would slowly move them from wherever they're at today further north. So this is like a 50-year plan. This would have to be... And also, is do we have the correct things for them to eat up there? I don't even so know. So many questions. So many questions. I would think this would be five generations at oh, a minimum it's a long-term plan question about Very this long-term. crisper situation crisper because i feel like i've been hearing CRISPR. a lot about crisper lately makes you more crisp right and that's like the gene editing whatever right i think they call it gene splicing okay so here's my question because i feel like no one's talking about it but this is essentially the technology that would allow people to choose what features they would want their baby to have, correct? Correct. Right. So at what point is like this, at what point is that going to happen? Because I'm getting major Gattaca vibes. I don't know. I think right now it is essentially the very early stage test that you can run to say if you have a higher probability of some type of birth defect. I think that is kind of early stage CRISPR technology because it's all genomes and analytics and statistics stuff on the front end. And then from there, it is being able to go in and replace different parts of the genome. So if you go in and you say, oh, there is this part that is known for this deformity And in this case, let's say it's not a deformity. It's brown hair versus blonde hair or brown eyes versus blue eyes. Eventually, you should be able to go in and replace that part of the genome. That is what the goal is. That's crazy talk. But here, but, but 
what about this? Right now, we are, as a society, moving more and more towards personal truth, personal self-discovery. When is it that a parent is going to get sued because of choices yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Track with me. When when is a child going to sue their parents for decisions their parents made About and changed them. part of their genome? Especially if they are going towards like, well, I didn't want blue eyes and now I have to pay to go get brown eyes. I'm Can you even do that? I'm sure that would the you'll get that case as soon as that's possible. Oh yeah. Did you hear about the grandparents in in some? And it was either Japan or they're suing their children for because, not for not producing a grandchild. Yeah, I did see that. Crazy. Talk. Didn't read it. Didn't read it either because I was like, that's that's one of those things that's never going to happen again. Yep. So I just want to wrap up the woolly mammoth talk. If I paid you $20, would you try to get them on your podcast? I mean, I can send them an email think, and see. <coughs> I think it would be interesting. I can send them an email. We'll see what happens. Okay, I'm not actually going sure. to give you 20 bucks. But what? what? <laughs> we share a bank account, so my money is your money anyway. I'll try and get them on. Yes. We'll see what happens. We'll see if they... Do you want the, the problem is I'm just going to... Bash them? I'm just going to... I'm going to rip them apart, man. Well, then Maybe, do it. No, I'm not going to rip them apart. I'm going to see what their basis is for why they think woolly mammoths will save the world from climate change. Maybe you'll learn something. And then I will see, because that I think has to be rooted in some studies and some science, potentially these ones that I was so poorly citing. Right. But I I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think it's going to work. There's a button that says discover the science and technologies that will revive the mammoth, but I want to play Does Joe Know to see if Joe, if you know any of these people involved in this company. <laughs> Number one, do you know George Church, PhD and founder? Because he literally looks like he's from 1877. <laughs> no, I do not know okay, a George Church. Do you Church. know a Ben Lamb, his co-founder? Ben Lamb. No, he sounds like somebody you would see on Lost. He look he look mm, he looks actually like the guy from the the police officer from Heroes. Okay. Do you know an Altacharo JD? What's JD stand for? Lawyer. Really? Juris doctorate. Caroline Carolyn Bertozzi PhD, Helen Hobbs MD and Matthew Lau PhD. No. I can't say I know. Well, I don't know any of them. They, uh, let's, I, I just want you to have them on your podcast at this point. But to, to wrap a, a pretty little bow on this, the thing that we were talking about is the amount of the genome, because to have a woolly mammoth, you need a complete woolly mammoth genome. And then from there, you find a compatible, compatible host to put that genome into, which here would be some type of elephant. And then you end up with something that is almost a woolly mammoth. The problem is, and and there was a study that was trying to recreate the Christmas Island rat, which is very similar to... Someone wanted to make a rat. Well, here's the thing. 
everybody's talking about de-extinction and this group said, what is the easiest animal where we pretty much have the genome mapped that we could try to de-extinct? This is going to be the easiest one. Let's go for the easiest first, work out the kinks, and then jump to the to the big guns, the woolly mammoth. So they started with the Christmas Island rat, and they have 5% of the genome missing. Now, 5% doesn't sound like much. No, it's a lot. But yeah, like when you're trying to recreate something that is a an exact replica. Well, but also, and I don't know how much genomes work, but I, I read... Uh... Francis Collins book, The Language of God, and it was talking about, because he is the guy who uh, did the genome project. The human genome. Right. And so it was showing just how similar animals, different animals are to each other. And so I feel like 5% difference could be an entirely different animal. Yeah. And that was, that was part of the point that it made that those 5% could be those key differences between a Christmas Island rat and a Norwegian rat, like the typical rat that every that everybody has, is the Norway rat. Wow, so that five percent, that five percent could be that difference, and what actually makes these unique species. So by not having that five percent, you're essentially creating a modified Norway rat with some different colored hair. Why? Why don't they have that five percent? The organic matter and the DNA starts to break down immediately after you Dang. after you die. So like right now we are shedding DNA in our skin cells. If somebody came by and had a had took our vacuum and took out all of the all of the dust in there, they would have some DNA material for us, but all of it's slowly breaking down, which is why when you spit into a cup and you send that off to to 23andMe, like that can work. And that is always getting better because every time more people send in their they spit, in the gaps. they can fill in more gaps on the human genome. But doesn't and build that mean out that we are missing 5% of the woolly mammoth's genome? We're probably missing more than 5%. Because the little blurb I saw said, this will be a woolly mammoth. And they were sounded pretty confident about that, well, which is why you need to have them on your show. Yeah, I could, as long as it just doesn't discredit me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe you should just trash him in your summary, and then people will think like you're in on it. <laughs> to your point on the differences, for a human versus a chimpanzee, the difference is one percent of our genome. Is it really? That's what it said in this article. Dang. So. To be missing 5% of a genome, that's what I'm saying. That's a big deal. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, you're just saying, oh, it could be the Norwegian rat. I was saying it could literally be an entirely different animal. It could be a banana. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I'm like, how do they know with such confidence that this is going to be a woolly mammoth? Yeah. I think that is why I am saying. Unless they just completed the 5% with an elephant. You can, but. Then, do then it's you not have, a woolly mammoth. Then you have a elephant, a genetically that modified may or elephant. may not look like right. a woolly mammoth. It's a it's a furry elephant. And at that point, you just 
using CRISPR, you can find the genes that control the hair length and you just make them a little longer. Right. Change the color to a, to a nice, uh, right. dirty blonde. These are, it's, rem- I don't, this is a really uh, terrible, terrible analogy, but just go with it and then we'll cut it out. It literally doesn't, actually, you know what? It literally doesn't make any sense, but I have to get it out of my brain. So I'm Do just going to say it. all, and maybe it's just the name CRISPR. All it makes me think of is The Sims and how when you're making your Sim, you can put different outfits on it. To me, it's like imagine a Sim of an elephant and CRISPR is just putting literally hair on an elephant. And you're like, woohoo, it's a woolly mammoth, but it's not. It's still an elephant. I, it's an I, elephant with a new skin. I completely agree. That is <laughs> so much. Analogy. No, no, that is so much what it feels like. <laughs> Thank you. It really I, does I, feel that's that what way. It made me feel like they'll just keep sending these hairy elephants to the tundra, and they'll just keep dying. And they'll be like, "I don't <laughs> Why know what's is happening." That working? Come on, because <laughs> this sweet little like African elephant's really cold, and he just <laughs> want, <laughs> he just wants to go home. He wants a he wants a haircut, and he wants to go home. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I'm not I'm not a fan of de-extinction. I'm a fan of saving species before they go extinct. All I'm saying is did we learn nothing from Jurassic Park? No. No. If anything, we learned that we want to try so that way right. we can prove Jurassic Park wrong. Right. Cuz right now it's the woolly mammoth, but just you wait 10 years from now they're like, "No, guys, hear me out, hear me out. I promise you Next best thing for climate change is the T-Rex. <laughs> it's revolutionary. We'll just throw them up in the tundra and it will solve climate change. <laughs> well, speaking of to put both of our stories together, what I mean, we are really one step closer to, hey, if you really miss your old grandma, we'll just genetically modify your next child and you can raise your grandma and if you don't like her voice because it just doesn't sound right it's okay just set alexa up and she'll talk for the baby and then you could that's we we can recreate your loved one we're going down this weird technology (laughs) hole but i did see an article I didn't read it. Maybe I should start actually collecting these articles yes, for the podcast. that would be helpful immensely. There was this article that said, in the future, people will have AI that speaks for their dogs. <laughs> fully translating their dogs. So why what not? Fully translating? Fully translating. We don't know what dogs are saying. Hey, Dr. Doolittle did it. Why can't AI? Is this a legitimate article? Yeah, it was a legitimate article. But we don't, we don't know what animals are saying. That's what you think. <laughs> AI I hate knows. everything about AI that. AI knows. I hate it. But if AI Look, can... if you really love and miss your dear old departed dog, don't, <laughs> don't worry. The next child you birth can, in fact, be as close to your Literally not what I was saying. as a human baby could possibly be. I was it's going like a baby with fur. No, I wasn't going there. <laughs> I was going if AI can translate dogs for us, AI can also translate the baby and then put grandma's voice on the baby. <laughs> so like baby. So grandma's gonna be like asking tell- for boobs. Right. <laughs> I <laughs> I was gonna say poop. 
But yeah, oh, no, sure, I we can talk about breastfeeding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Do you think that that babies say that like after they poop themselves, they're like, hey, um, I really don't want to be sitting in this. Like, my butt's wet. Can we get a change over here? I think that most babies at like in their itty bitty stage literally have no idea what's going on. I don't know what those words would be coming from grandma. It would just be a baby crying in the sound of your grandmother crying. <laughs> oh, that'd be so weird. <laughs> so weird. None of, that's why I'm saying literally no one is asking for this. I feel like the majority of people would recognize that this is not useful. Well, what what we have done is we have added a few different things together. <laughs> and you are correct. Nobody is asking for it. But next thing you know, we're going to find an article saying, now you can rebirth your grandmother. Ridiculous. I don't want to, I don't want to end on this, this sour note. So I think we should talk about the sponsor, not sponsor this week. Who is it today? Well, we, we've been having this theme, right? These animals keep calling, keep asking, Hey, can I sponsor the show? I was waiting for a woolly mammoth call when <laughs> when we started talking about this, but there are some reasons why we haven't gotten a woolly mammoth call. It's because they're extinct. That's true. But you know who did call? Who? The camels. The camels called? The camels called. Who who's the camels? The camels called. They they provided us this lovely camel leather backpack from from the Middle East. Oh, that one. That we found at a at a garage sale a long, long time ago. And the camel said, hey, you've been talking about all of these great things on the podcast. Last week, you, you helped all of us realize that we're not the only ones who feel judged when we go to Buffalo Exchange. And they even asked, why do they call it Buffalo Exchange? Why can't it be Camel Exchange? Or why can't it be the... The humpback exchange. Or the woolly mammoth exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So so they said, hey, we know that if you were to bring our backpack in, you would get buco dinero. But we want you to keep this and love it and cherish it forever. And just remember, the camel, camel's always got your back. In fact, we got a few of them. Got a few humps to the back. So if you're ever anywhere with camels, I highly encourage you, take them for a spin. If they're selling camel backpacks, I don't know if they do that anymore, but maybe buy one. They're pretty cool. I also heard, can't speak for it myself, but I also heard camel's milk. I heard it's very yummy. I heard it's very, very yummy. <laughs> so if you... If you <laughs> Sponsor, not sponsor, is taking such a weird turn. So if there's ever any opportunity for you to get any product from the animal that is a camel, please, please buy some. Buy the camels. Buy some camels. Bring them to the U.S. They love the U.S. Or CRISPR it. Camels love the U.S. They told me themselves. (laughs) They said... I want to go to the U.S. Do they want to go to the tundra? Because we need more animals. <laughs> they said no, no tundra, please. <laughs> we're a we're a desert animal. Oh we're not interested in tundras. <laughs> so are some elephants. <laughs> well, with that, I think we should call it a podcast. Okay. 
All right. Bye, 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 Bye.